Pyeongchang preview episode, or first of probably many Pyeongchang preview episodes, then you know we tease that we're going to be going into a little bit of a sport preview heading into the Winter Olympics next year, and uh, I decided to be selfish and pick the first sport myself, being my number one favorite sport, not just in Olympics, but any type of sport, which is mogul skiing. For this preview, we're going to do at least two interviews here we have lined up with uh, moguls athletes who've basically just finished their season at the time of recording this. And as this is an Australian and Canadian show, we're going to start it off with a Canadian interview with Andy Naughty, who finished in the World Cup rankings number four in the world this past year. And uh, she's been around for several years, and uh, it was interesting to talk to her just about how competitive the Canadian field is for mogul skiing. I mean, it's, it's really insane that going back even three years ago in the Sochi Olympics, that she was one of the top-ranked skiers in the world and yet wasn't able to make the Canadian team. And, of course, we get to talk to her about how she got into this sport in the first place, how in some places in Canada you're basically just born into this. And as she's basically just in the off-season, we do touch on what can be expected with some of her upcoming training coming up uh, now that the season's over. And, uh, most importantly, what it was like to compete in Pyeongchang this past year, since uh, on the World Cup circuit they were able to compete in these facilities and kind of get a preview themselves of what the Olympics are going to be like next year. We're hoping one year from now we will be seeing Andy Naughty in the Pyeongchang Olympics. Pretty much no doubt as far as I'm concerned, but uh, we do have this interview here for you with her. And uh, stay all the way to the end, because just like we did in some of our summer athlete interviews, we go through that My Name is Team Canada questionnaire with her, and uh, I will just tease it by saying one of her answers uh, has to be <laughs> the most uh, unusual, the most hilarious answer you'd ever expect to one of those questions. So, so here it is, our interview with Andy Naughty. Ever since at least the Sochi Olympics, and even ahead of hockey, which is the national sport of Canada, uh, moguls has quickly become my favorite sport, and I'm thrilled that we're here to talk to the currently ranked number four mogul skier in the world and the reigning Canadian national champion, Andy Naughty. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Podium. Oh, thank you for having me. This is such an honor. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, this is hands down my favorite sport, and I think it's a sport that 
I mean, there was some attention of, obviously, in the 90s, you know, with Jean-Luc Broussard and everything, and uh, you know, probably even more so with uh, you know, uh, Jennifer Heil, you know, in the mid-2000s. But from Vancouver on, I mean, this really has just kind of been an explosion of moguls as a sport. I mean, uh, before we even get into just your history in this, what have you noticed as an athlete in the last couple of years, like uh, just the changes in the attention the sport's getting? Um, well, you know, we've always had like a super, super strong national team with Jen Heil, as you said, and Alex Bilodeau. But I think like the last couple of years and since the games, the, the sisters, the Earl Point sisters have been really big, um, a big, big hit. So uh, as well as Mikhail Kingsbury on the men's side, and it's just been domination. So year after year, they're just always on top. And I think that's really pushed our sport and become more visible in Canadian eyes. So. I don't know, it's really definitely special to be a part of that and to be part of such a strong team. And I think that, yeah, just moving forward, I want to keep that going for sure. <laughs> and I guess if we do go back now, I mean, this sport, it was introduced, uh, was it 1992? Was that the first time that Moguls was uh, competed in the Olympics? Um, I think so, yeah. So 1992, you know, up until now, um, at what point did you first discover this, you know, either as just a competitor or, or even as a viewer? I think uh, in 2006 when Jen won the gold in the Torino games, mm -hmm. I think that's sort of when I started paying attention. It's not very clear. It's still uh, like a while ago, <laughs> but um, that's sort of when I was like, oh, wow, this is such a cool sport. I mean, it's so difficult looking and it's got so much to it that it really takes a lot to be on top and to see a Canadian from out west to be on top that was really special and I think that sort of ignited my interest in freestyle and I started out not necessarily in moguls but more with like big air and park and all that and had some really good coaches who sort of sparked my interest in moguls and then 2010 came along and it just sort of snowballed and that was really interesting to to watch the sport progress as the years went by so at what age did you start skiing? Like you said, you didn't just start in moguls. At what point did you start skiing? No. Um, I started skiing when I was four years old, so uh, from an early age for sure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to take classes at that age, or just your parents set you up on the skis and shove you down a hill? <laughs> um, I think it was a lot of just uh, family just out for skiing, but it's funny because my parents are both from Africa, South Africa, and they're not skiers, and they're not into snow, mm -hmm. but uh, put into ski lessons just every weekend. Every weekend we were out there skiing with the ski school, and just really having a great time in the mountains and the fresh air, and yeah, I don't know, it just sort of went from there. <laughs> now, in doing some research, I mean, it always comes up that you are from British Columbia, obviously, but mm -hmm. I, I keep reading, you know, that you were originally from Saskatchewan. So yeah. what age did you move from Saskatchewan to BC? Um, from Saskatchewan to BC, around one years old. So I, I have no memories of oh. Saskatchewan, but I was born there and that's where I spent the first year of my life. <laughs> but, but definitely more British Columbian than Saskatchewan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm from Winnipeg, so just the idea that mm -hmm. somebody could become, you know, this uh, world-class skier and be from the prairies just didn't really make sense to me. So you, <laughs> yeah, you moved to the right spot, I guess. Yeah, how that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Definitely. So when, you, when did you first start getting into moguls, and how did the transition happen to this being competitive? 
Um, I think I started touching on the moguls and freestyle in general when I was around 11 years old. Um, I spent a couple years in the local club at Apex Mountain and just had such a great time with all my friends. And we sort of kept touching each other and ended up going to the provincial series. And then that snowballed into the nationals and junior nationals. And then I sort of got um, recognized for moguls at the age of 13 and spent two years on that team and then... Uh, the national team saw me was around 15 years old, but some to join the team then. So I was fortunate enough to have like a pretty one-on-one coach experience with um, the Canadian Sports Institute Academy team, which was like just two other guys and myself. And so that was a huge year of growth, and I learned so much about the sport and learned how to work hard. So I think that really set me up to be in a good position for the national team at the age of 16. Again, that's the other thing that's crazy, you know, as we were going through even just the real games last year and you see some of these sports like gymnastics and you know, it's crazy to think it's something like skiing. I watched this with my wife and she sees you guys go down the hills and she's terrified for you, you know, especially when somebody wipes <laughs> out like we saw so many times this season. But mm-hmm. I mean, as a 16 year old, I mean, how many hours a week do you dedicate to something like this? You know what? I can't put a number to it because I've never actually calculated, but definitely a full-time job Mm -hmm. and so with that in mind I didn't really go to school full-time uh well like a normal school I did online school Mm -hmm. so at the age of 16 I sort of spent the majority of my time on my skis and then all the time that I had off was at at home at my desk doing school so it's definitely a huge dedication but I loved it and still do love it so I think it was definitely worth the the sacrifices that I did have to make even though it wasn't that much. We're going to talk a little bit later on about how competitive it is in here in Canada, but did you come mm-hmm. close to making Sochi? Yeah, Sochi was sort of, it was all at all to make it there initially, but then I had one year on World Cup and I started doing well and I qualified for the World Cup and that was in 2013 at, in Bus. And that was only the top four Canadians in both men and women who qualified for that. And that sort of opened my eyes. I was like, wow, if I carry on doing what I'm doing, maybe I could make it to the games in Sochi. But uh, unfortunately, missed that by just one spot, and I was the first alternative. But, um, yeah, I think that that was a huge, huge blow to me, even though it wasn't my goal at the time. But I, I was just so close, but so far, you know. <laughs> And see, that's the thing. You know, I did a lot of bragging. You know, the other hosts we have on the show are Australian, which, of course, they're going to become more acquainted with moguls now you know with what we're seeing with Matt Graham <laughs> exactly. and Brittany Cox but uh yeah totally to explain to somebody outside of Canada you know how big this is here and the, the fact that it's not even unusual to see a sweep of Canadians I mean you've participated in more than uh, at least one maybe more than one sweep yeah. of like Canadians right yeah. across the board so it must be really mm-hmm. hard to be in a position where you could be you know if, if you're in any other country guaranteed you're you know making the Olympics and you know, obviously you're young and you have lots of chances to go ahead you know as we're going into the next games but to be that close and yet still be you know only like fifth in Canada I mean it's crazy just to think about how competitive it is <laughs> yeah it was pretty crazy and at the time I was ranked ninth in the world and that meant that four others were ahead of me in the world rank so any other country even the United States I would have gone to the Sochi games mm-hmm. but just because our team is so competitive and so good we, we all have the chance to be on the podium on any given day. So I think it's hard to qualify for big events such as World Champs and Olympics. 
but I think in the end it makes us a stronger team, and that's why we're doing so well, I believe. So I don't know. It's sort of it's tough, but it's also good at the same time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the deferral of points sisters, and obviously Mikkel mm-hmm. Kingsbury, and you know Audrey Robichaud, and everybody. I mean, there's this huge contingent of East Coasters, primarily Quebecers, who are on this national team, and you know you're kind of the lone one out there in the West. I mean, do I don't know if everybody. Obviously, the deferral of points sisters are probably going to train together, but um, are you, you know. Do you think at uh, more of an advantage for training on your own that uh, you you, know, you can kind of get the more one-on-one focus? For the most part, we do train together. Um, it's just more so in the gym when we're at home by ourselves that I'm working more alone. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, for the most part, we are together and we do camps together and we take turns, like, traveling out west and out east. So it's pretty time to share people. But um, it's definitely from out west and to be the only one because uh it's sort of special i mean i don't know i i'm trying to learn french and trying to become fluent but i've got a little ways to go yet but uh yeah i don't know it's cool to ask that like how do you do it from out west and all this but i don't know i just just trying to stick with my guns and keep doing what i love to do and i think that's taken me this far so I don't know. I feel like it doesn't matter if you're out from out west or out east, as long as you love the sport and you have the drive and you want to do it. And not from the prairies, I should add, because I don't know if we've produced many skiers. <laughs> that's true. You've got Mark Morris, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not many skiers, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, now, there's one thing that this is something that you know not a lot of the people are going to notice unless you're watching moguls every single week like I am. But there was a mention, it wasn't even on the CBC coverage, but it was on the NBC coverage one week where mm-hmm. it was mentioned that there were some changes in the scoring system this year. Can you clear that up? Were there any changes this year? Um, not so much this year, but it, they did make changes. But um, they've changed the, the weighting of the, the scores. So it's now 60% on turns and 20% speed and 20% jumps. So whereas before it used to be like 50%, 50%. 50%. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, with the... I haven't really seen the whole difference in like rankings or how this I don't think it's made a huge change but it's definitely a little bit different because we spend so much time on the jumping side of things as well it's a bit of a bummer it's only 20% of the score so uh, I don't know <laughs> just have to keep in mind that it is mogul skiing and that it is based on the skiing more than the jumps and the speed but yeah I mean it's still a sport that we love and it hasn't changed much Maybe, again, this is just the perception from around the world that, uh, you know, Canadians are the ones to beat here. But when I was watching it on NBC, uh, they had um, Johnny Mosley on, who, of course, won in uh, Nagano. And he came right out Mm -hmm. and said, you know, this scoring system was changed to try and uh, even it up a little bit. So there wasn't such a Canadian dominance. So maybe it's just like uh, feeling a little bit inferior at this point. The Canadians are just sweeping everybody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't think it's really changed that up, to be honest, but, um, I mean, if he says that, that's great, if he believes it, but, <laughs> I don't know, it's, I think it's sort of like a, like a, I don't know, sort of way you view it personally, and I think that hasn't changed much, to be honest, so, yeah, just have to keep skiing and doing well, but. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and like you said, with the scoring, it hasn't really had that much of an effect, I mean, you, you said you totally. were ninth a few years ago, you were, what, fifth mm-hmm. last year you finished? Yeah, exactly. And then up to fourth this year. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the, the trend continues. You know, 
you're going to be right there in <laughs> metal position when we see you in Pyeongchang next year. Um, but totally. <laughs> uh, what uh, is the point where the qualification is official for uh, the 2018 games? Um, you know, it's not up until like two or three weeks before the games, to be honest. Like we already have a World Cup season that's pretty packed prior to the games next year. I think there's something like seven starts. So, uh, yeah, the team isn't decided until quite, quite shortly up until the game. So <laughs> it keeps us on the on the edge of our seats, that's for sure. Nothing's set in stone for a while here. But you did have the luxury this year of competing in Pyeongchang. So do you want to tell us a little yeah. bit about what it was like there? You know, just the, the, the city as a whole and then also the facilities? Mm-hmm. I mean, Pyeongchang is awesome. I amazing games as it always is, but uh, just being able to go there and to ski the course and to see what it's going to be like during the games next year, that was awesome. A really big advantage to be able to go there, but um, everything is really knit. So, I mean... The aerials uh, site and mogul site have the same finish and the half around the corner. And so I think that's really cool. It'll make it sort of like a close community. I know like in Sochi, it was quite spread out, but um, I think Pyeongchang will be really cool. And your results, if those hold true, then again, we're seeing you in a medal position because that was one of your <laughs> podium finishes this year. Yeah, exactly. That was definitely exciting. And I was honored to stand on the podium there with my teammate Justine and Britt as well and just to be there it made it sort of like a it, it, reality came in I was like oh wow next year I could be I could be standing on the podium here you know like it sort of hit me and I was like wow this is this is really cool I mean I, I'm gonna keep focusing on the process and the skiing but I mean this could happen this could very well happen <laughs> Has that kind of been the goal ever since you got into this that, you know, one day you want to, because I always find it interesting when somebody gets into any sport, you know, you would assume when you watch the Olympics, when you're seeing uh, Alex Bilodeau or Mikhail Kingsbury, or, you know, even back to Jennifer Heil or John Broussard, that they get into this, like, I'm going to be an Olympic medalist one day. But in actuality, I mean, most people just get into it probably for the fun. So uh, for you, did you have that goal or what point did it become a goal? It's like, I want to be there at the Olympics one day. Um, you know, ever since I was a really small child, I think in grade one, I had a list of things that I wanted to do when I was older, and one of them was go to the Olympic Games. So I think it's sort of been there in my mind. I didn't know what sport I wanted to go for, but the Olympics has always been big. And I think that when I got into mogul skiing, I was like, okay, I can do this, you know? Like, this is my goal. This is what I want out of the sport. And we just finished the season, and so now we're in the off-season. And what is a typical off-season like for you? Um, a typical off-season is really quite busy. Uh, we we have this month off, sort of like to end of April, so that's nice to always be home and get some downtime and rest and recover and get back in the gym and on the bike and all that. But uh, we usually go by camps. So we have like a camp in May, June, July, August, basically up until the World Cup season starts in December, like one big camp per month. And... Uh, um, it really depends on where we're at and where the snow's at. So I think we're heading to Whistler here shortly, and then we'll probably end up in France and Australia and Switzerland but at some point. But, yeah, it's busy for sure, but it's a lot of fun, a lot of hard work. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. So do you actually have to chase the snow in doing this, or are there you know, certain months where obviously <laughs> there's no way you're going to find any type of slopes anywhere, so you have to improvise other, other ways? Yeah, exactly most of the time we'll try find snow and 
we're lucky to have Whistler here, and that's good for snow up until July. But I think um, in the warmer summer months here, we spend a lot of time water ramping, and that's like working on our jumps into a pool in a safe environment. But we also travel down south into the southern hemisphere for their winter while it's summer here, so Australia or Argentina. But the uh, past couple of years, we've been going to Australia searching for snow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think we'll probably do that again this year. And then in October, we head to Europe, Switzerland for uh, for another on-snow camp. And the season will start again, what is it, uh, December, November? I believe it'll be in December. This year, I'm not 100% sure, but I probably early December. Mm-hmm. There's one thing we have to do here. that we, We've done this with the other athletes we had on from the uh, Rio Games, because uh, back mm-hmm. during the, the past Olympics here, the Team Canada website had this fun thing set up where there were questionnaires given to all the different athletes and some of the questions are kind of funny and some of the questions are just typical ones we like to ask this to all the different athletes so if uh, you have a Mm -hmm. second we can go through this and you can get this out of the way we don't know if they'll be doing this in 2018 if not you get to be the first one on the team that gets to complete one of these questionnaires (laughs) perfect okay so it was called hi my name is so we can obviously fill in the blank here my name is andy naughty and i'm canadian that's obvious this one, this one's a, always a fun one. The greatest Olympian of all time is. Oh, wow. I don't know. I think for me, it's Clara Hughes. She's awesome going for sports in both winter and summer games. That's She's definitely a, an inspiration. And for Manitoba as well. So we have some success here. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Funny enough, I'm using uh, Emily Overholt, a swimmer. I'm using her uh, page here, and she wrote Clara Hughes as well. So... Uh, Claire Hughes is not this. No way. Yeah, it's not the first time. It's not the last time she'll be brought up on here. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Here's one. The first yeah, Olympics. She deserves it. The first Olympics I remember watching was. Uh, the 2006 Olympic Games Torino. in Torino. <laughs> Um, I'm going to skip this one because we can't see what you draw. It says draw a picture of yourself, but I'm going to assume you draw a picture of yourself on skis. That's what I would hope. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I'm not a very good drawer, so that's a good thing that we're not doing that. Uh, My favorite ice cream flavor is? Oh, wow. I think it's got to be sea salt caramel. Oh, that's so good. Uh, (laughs) I know we read through another one of these that had that, too. No way. (laughs) <laughs> um, if I were a baseball player, my walk-up music would be. This one might be a tough one. Oh, man. Hmm. Or do you have, like, a ski-down music? You know, I don't listen to music when I ski or do anything like that. But um, how about some Beyonce? Beyonce? <laughs> Queen B. Queen B. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see if this one is the same as earlier or if there is a different one. My guilty pleasure snack is? I think it's got to be cereal. I love all different types of cereal. Maybe like a bowl of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch or something like that. Oh, <laughs> Unfortunately, so I've mentioned this on the show, but you, you probably haven't listened to our show, so you wouldn't know this, but uh, I can't eat gluten, so my cereal options are so limited. But Oh, no, that's horrible. But the good thing is, is that Cheerios has now gone completely gluten-free, so like Honey Nut Cheerios, Apple Cinnamon Cheerios, we go down to like oh, Grand perfect. Forks or Fargo, and we just bring back like every box of Cheerios imaginable because they have like strawberry Cheerios and everything else down there. So mm-hmm. I'm right with you with that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, the most recent TV show that I binge watched is? Um, that has got to be Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I, I saw one or two episodes of that when it first started and, and it's not that I, I 
dislike the show. I just didn't have the time to continue mm-hmm. watching it. But it's one of these things that everybody keeps talking about now. Is it really that good? I really enjoy it. I love light comedy and the 20-minute uh, TV shows because mm-hmm. they're easy to watch. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoy that. It's, it's a good one. I'd recommend it for sure. Uh, this one will be fun. My biggest fear in life is... My biggest fear in life. Wow, I think, I think this is okay. This is quite weird. I'm an odd one. I really don't like fruit, and mangoes <laughs> scare me. <laughs> what specifically? I'm not lying. Everyone thinks I'm insane. <laughs> what is it? Is it the taste that scares you? The appearance of it? I think it's sort of the taste and the texture. Like it just really gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> And my coaches always give me a hard time for that. <laughs> Do you get assigned, like, uh, diets and stuff like that while you're training? Luckily, no, we don't. We just, we obviously try to eat healthily on the road mm-hmm. and at all times. But, I mean, we're not very strict with our diet. We're lucky in that respect, for sure. <laughs> I w- we're not, like, extreme triathletes or anything where we have to really watch what we eat. <laughs> the funniest answer, but mangoes, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever be able to top that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's a weird one. <laughs> Can you eat any type of fruit? Do you have a favorite fruit? Now I'm really curious. Um, You know, I, I do enjoy fresh apples from my neighbor's farm <laughs> and also their raspberries. Oh, okay. But it has to be fresh and I have to know where it comes from. It's really weird. I'm quite picky that way. <laughs> Hence, part of the fear is not knowing where it was this mango. Exactly. It's too questionable. <laughs> um, I can't live without. Hmm. I can't live without my cats. Your cats. You know, I yeah. I was looking up on uh, YouTube. I was trying to find some, some videos of your events this year. And I found a, a mm-hmm. whole bunch of videos with you and cats. That's a, like, I was wondering when I saw that. I'm like, <laughs> is that the same cat I saw in another video? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. I've got two at the moment. And they're... They're really quite cute. I love them. <laughs> oh, what are your cat's names? Um, one is named Muffy, and the other one is Mr. Blue. Do you get to travel with the cats? Um, unfortunately not, no. Nope. My mom just sends me pictures, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Very thankful for that. Um, the last one here, this is a drawing one, but if you could even just uh, uh, visualize it and dictate to us what it would look like, what would the coolest Olympic medal mm-hmm. look like? Hmm. I think the coolest Olympic Metal would be of detail, I think. Nothing nothing plain, you know? Mm-hmm. Nothing usual. I think it would have to be some crazy shape or sort of like 3D, like the, the um, well, they're obviously all 3D, but sort of like the Vancouver ones. Mm-hmm. They were really cool and sort of textured. I really like that. So I think just something unique. If this were to be done as a picture, I'm assuming you would draw it as that metal around your neck sitting on the podium next year? Exactly. That's the power of positive thinking. And not in the shape of a melon as well, or a mango. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for being on the show and for uh, uh, helping us kick off this preview of moguls, which, like I said, it's my favorite sport. And, you know, I, every time I have, like, my nieces or nephews over, I always save, you know, whatever's on that week, whatever CBC's showing, to show it to them. So I've got, like, all my nieces and nephews watching this. My wife started watching with me this year, and I, I do have to say, just on her behalf, that when we were watching, um, I, I think it might have been the World Championships, and your scores were coming up. She was getting angry that your scores weren't higher. Like she t- she takes it very seriously. And more than one event, she's been rooting oh. for you above like the deferral of points, above everybody. So yeah, you have big fans in my house. Wow. Well, I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been great.
big thanks again to Andy Naughty for taking the time out to do this interview with us, uh, basically just within a week or so after wrapping up the season in the World Championships. And uh, I, I honestly can't say enough about how great this sport is. If somebody's never seen it and you took the time to listen to this entire interview, then definitely even just check out some YouTube clips. I mean, it's incredible competition in this sport right now. And uh, speaking of competition, uh, we did touch briefly in this interview with Andy about Brittany Cox, the Australian skier who's uh, pretty much blowing away everybody right now. And as we continue this preview of moguls heading into next year's Olympics, we will be having Brittany Cox on the show next week. And uh, I can already say it was a really good interview. And uh, it was the first time, I think, as Ben's been covering these Australian athlete interviews, I've been covering the Canadian ones. It's the first time I was able to cover somebody from his side of the ocean. So uh, you will get the Canadian side of interviewing the Australian mogul skier that's dominating all of our athletes right now. That will be coming next week. And uh, as for now, we have lots of interviews that have gone up over the last couple of weeks. Uh, vault interviews, we're calling them. Uh, mostly ones that Ben did when he was uh, hosting radio last couple of years. Some of them were before the Sochi Olympics, and uh, it's definitely worth going back and listening to all of those. We're still up in the air as to what our next preview sport will be, but we're going to be having lots of athletes on between now and 2018. Just make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and like us on Facebook and give us your suggestions. If there's somebody you'd like to hear from, let us know and then we'll try to get in touch with them. And we will see you next time on Off the Podium. Oh, 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 oh,